this whole day has been like a very mercury retrograde day in a major mm. way <laughs> i am a, i'm a mercury retrograde denier and yet it happens to me anyway it's so rude oh. Hello, welcome to episode number 11 of the Joe DeVoe Show. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, but you can call me Joe, and I am here to uplift and support my fellow creatives, lovable weirdos, and makers of magic. And today, I've got some help from tarot reader, astrologer, and hypnotherapist, Kate Fowley, and I think this interview is going to be such a nice, refreshing break from the relentless noise and, quite frankly, trauma unleashed on the public every day. I hope it will get you thinking in a good way and that it will make you laugh. We fell right into a very comfortable rhythm with a bit of jokey banter sprinkled in here and there, which I think always makes a fun listen. We talked about intuition, Reiki, astrology, the hermit life, and of course, lots about tarot. And we even got into what led her to eventually identify as a witch and what it's like to work with strangers in such a personal way. I asked so many questions about her business journey specifically because I know many of you are on a similar path and because I love all things biz witchery. I hope her story inspires you to believe in your own talents and to keep going because it's not easy to build an online biz. The beginning years can take much longer than you might anticipate and they can involve many personal sacrifices along the way, namely time and a slamming social life. I love how Kate just owns that and how she has persistently followed the breadcrumbs of her own curiosity and interest. It's awesome to see how that has shaped her path, leading her to master one modality and then the next and then the next and how it all then organically weaves together to form what is her unique approach to serving the public. In my opinion, you've got to have real nerve to declare yourself a professional witch, tarot reader, astrologer, anything like that. And I have so much respect for people who go there. It's a bold choice to show up and say, I have a spiritual gift and I'm making it my job to share it with the world. And I know so many of you have done that or are dreaming of doing that or you seek out professionals who do that kind of work. I say that's because these are necessary professions. People want guidance. People want spiritual support and they want healing and they don't necessarily want it from a church. We want the sense of community that is formed when we both give and receive that kind of support from each other. And many people are happy to pay for it. It's a fair exchange. So on that note, Let's do this thing. Here is the wonderfully chatty and intuitively wise Kate Fowley. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be on the Joe DeVoe show. Maybe you're the first person who's ever said that back to me out loud. It still feels pretty nice. (laughs) So that's fun. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. I feel like I've known of you and interacted with you as a friendly acquaintance on Twitter for a very, very long time. So it's fun to finally Mm -hmm. get to have a proper conversation. It totally is. It's so amazing to be talking to you because I've known of you for so long and you are definitely a really important part of my journey to witchdom. So Uh I'm, I'm like, it's such an honor to be chatting with you. So do you identify as a witch? I do. Yeah. Only, only recently, fairly recently in my life did I start identifying as a witch. I didn't identify as a witch until I think probably like 2020, but I feel, I feel at home in the term now. What got you there? I think for me, I was really concerned being so public and being a biz witch as we both are mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and having a having a business and really being focused on wanting to grow my business I was very concerned about being accessible so I didn't call myself a witch because I didn't want people to think that I was inaccessible and this of course wasn't a conscious really idea like conscious thought in my mind I was just sort of like hesitant to call myself that yeah. Until, yeah. Until like 2020. And I was like, you know what? I feel like it's time. I feel like it's time for me to just say, screw it. I am a witch. This is who I am. I love <laughs> it. I, you know, I think we're all, we're all magical beings. Some of us just don't know it yet. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's funny is I dropped the name hippie witch for my podcast because I wanted to open things up to be able to talk to different people. But right Mm. after I did that, I felt this strange reinforcement of being a witch in my personal private life. And I felt more witchy than ever. And things just started feeling so magical. And it was such a strange, interesting experience. Wow. That's so interesting. It's almost like you took back that term and like made it more yours or something. Yeah, totally. And I'm totally happy to be like, I'm a witch, but I just, yeah. something about taking it back as a part of my like business brand was empowering. Yeah. And that was unexpected. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. So let's tell people what you do specifically as a business. So I am a tarot reader, an astrologer, and a hypnotherapist. So I have that little triad of modalities that I'm focused on in main part for my business. I'm super excited to talk to you about the hypnosis specifically, because I think that it's been so useful in my own path. And I, I suspect reading through the copy on your website that you utilize it and help other people utilize it in a way that I understand and the way I utilize it. So maybe you can share that a little bit with people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's amazing that you have been using hypnotherapy. I don't know if you have been or if you just have before, but it's it's awesome to hear that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of self-hypnosis and I'm a cool. fan yeah. of, I'm really, really picky, but I will do like guided recorded hypnosis sessions. If I, yeah, tr- yeah. If I trust, the, I feel like you have to trust the person to let them mm-hmm. fool around in your subconscious, you know? <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. There is an enormous amount of trust. Well, I mean, like that, that definitely goes for all the practitioners that we work with on a personal level. Right. But I mean, like you're really surrendering in a hypnotherapy session. So what do you, how do you incorporate that into the work that you do as a tarot reader and astrologer? I started off with tarot and then I started incorporating astrology, but then I got certified in Krasner hypnosis in 2020. And I wanted to branch out a little bit. I felt like I would have stayed a little bit pigeonholed if I would have stayed just in tarot and astrology at that point. And I was like, it's time for me to just dabble in another modality. And I liked the idea of hypnosis because it's so... I, as the practitioner, am like the tour guide of someone's inner experience. And like, they're doing the process themselves. So it's like, I'm not actually doing anything to them. I'm just like holding the space and like facilitating this kind of process. And there's such a magical process that can happen in a person who's being hypnotized and it's all of them, right? So I love how empowering it is. And it's so different than tarot in that way, because Tarot is sometimes it's like you can be doing a reading and it's just you monologuing, you know, at someone which those are never the best readings. Like what's the value in that? Right. So they, of course, complement each other and I do them together. But there's just something really beautiful about allowing someone to just have their own experience and receive something that changes something on a really deep level inside of them. That's always been my interest. How do you go back and not rewrite the past, but re-experience it to reframe it, re-experience it to create closure or to heal some aspect of something that's happened to you. So you're not bringing it with you into the future constantly. You can't change the past, but I do think you can change your relationship with it. Totally. Like time is such an illusion, right? And we can be dragging around our past with us in the present moment all the time without even being consciously aware of it a lot of times. And it's, mm-hmm. that's so draining, right? And in hypnosis, you can really get clear on just like really your truth, I think, ultimately. Like this is what happened to me and this is my truth. And this is how I can sort of be at peace with this past experience or whatever it is and release what needs to be released. So I can actually be present and, and in my full power. Totally. Yeah. And you can also do amazing things into the future, like kind of programming into your own brainwashing, yeah. brainwashing yourself into having yeah. a bit more courage or whatever it is you need for the scary thing yeah. that's about to happen. We all need that. So if somebody wanted to do that with you, what would they do? What would that look like? I'm really fascinated with group hypnosis programs, like sort of like I do little seasonal programs that I run on Zoom and they'll be based on pretty much off of like the wheel of the year. (laughs) I like running. I don't actually use that verbiage, but I do walk the wheel of the year. I'm definitely conscious of it. And I also am aware of like the astrology and I incorporate all of that kind of into the seasonal programs that I offer to help someone like really work with the earth and work with the cosmos and just work with the energy around through hypnosis. So I love group hypnotherapy and I also do one-on-one, but I love, love, love group hypnosis. And I pretty much operate my group sessions like a ritual. Like we all kind of meet and I lead and then we just open up a portal on the Zoom and make it happen. We make the magic happen. Are you guiding in like kind of an open-ended way, like choose a place that makes you feel such and such, or are you taking them on a very specific, we're all going to Big Sur now, kids kind of thing? 
<laughs> yeah, I definitely try to keep it pretty general. So, I mean, writing hypnosis scripts is such a, an art that I love as well. Like I went to school for creative writing. So that's something that I loved about it as well. So I definitely try and keep it open-ended enough that someone can go to exactly where they need to be in that moment, but everyone can have a unique experience. It's always going to be a unique experience. Wow. You have a lot of different talents and skill sets that work together. Cause I know you also are certified in Reiki and you incorporate that yeah. somewhat. And doing hypnosis is so much about the subconscious. So is reading tarot. And then of course, astrology ties in. I see how these things all kind of circle around together. Thank you for saying that. How do you incorporate the Reiki? I'm not super focused on Reiki anymore. Reiki was actually sort of my, my first real modality. I got started in Reiki before I ever started reading tarot, but I like to think about Reiki as just energy healing. That's like a part of my day-to-day life. Like I am Reiki, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like Reiki is all of my work, right? It's all, it's all the energy that I'm like just channeling through my words and channeling through my videos. So I don't see clients one-on-one with Reiki anymore, but I definitely do it on myself a lot. It's part of my practice, but my Reiki practice has evolved so, so much over the last probably 50, 10 years, I guess, that I've been doing it. So it mm-hmm. looks very, very different. And I'm not seeing clients or anything for Reiki. So that's a step on your journey. It's a One. step on my journey. Yeah. yeah. I saw you say something about tarot, your tarot journey starting when you were like 11 years old. Is that right? Yeah. Or you got your yeah. first tarot deck when you were 11. So were you, yeah. reading, were you reading cards at 11? No. Oh gosh. No, I didn't start reading cards. I didn't start reading cards until I was maybe 26, 25. Okay. So I was actually gifted my first deck when I was 11 from a friend in elementary school who I guess saw something in me. Like we were really good friends. She saw something in me, I guess, that I didn't necessarily yet see for myself. And I was so fascinated by this deck. And I was like, wow, I really want to learn how to read this. But I was afraid of it at the time, as many newbies to tarot are, right? And I was like, I don't want to have this in my house. Like I was so young and it was worlds away from where I am right now. And so I ended up giving it away, but I've always been a journaler as well. So I wrote a letter to my future self at the time saying like, dear future self, I hope that you become a tarot reader. Like I have a deck now, but I'm afraid of it. (laughs) I don't want anything to do with it, but I forecasted to myself that I wanted to get more into this because I thought that it kind of added a certain like intuitive smartness to me. I was trying to articulate it. And anyway, I found this letter to myself later when I was actually going through my Saturn return when I was like around my, my mid to late twenties. And so I was like, this is my sign. I'm interpreting this as a sign from my inner child, my younger self. And that's when I started reading tarot. And it was just a fast and furious love affair. Like I just fell right down the rabbit hole and never looked back. Oh, wow. I love scripting and future tripping. Mm -hmm. I feel like your 11 year old self was like, hello. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's plant this seed here. You know, (laughs) it begs that question. Like, did you become a tarot reader because of that? Or did your 11 year old self just intuit that that's where you were headed. You know what I mean? The chicken yeah. or the egg, which, which was it? Oh yeah. I don't know. Mm. Both either, both. How did this all start for you then 
you know, starting to turn the corner, Reiki, tarot, astrology, hypnosis, where did this start to pick up steam for you? It started to really pick up steam out of a real need for spiritual self-care and a real need for spiritual nourishment. So when I found Reiki, discovered Reiki, it was while I was working at a corporate job, trying really hard to love it and be ambitious in a very specific type of way and living in Toronto and just doing the commute nine to five thing and like feeling so drained by it, Mm -hmm. so burnt out, like on a way that was like deeper than physical, deeper than emotional. And I felt like I needed something all encompassing. So I tried Reiki and it, it really worked for me. It helped me to just really feel connected to myself and my energy levels and my intention in a way. And from there, it was just sort of one thing kind of led to the next. I got into Oracle cards and then I got into tarot after that. And then astrology, it was a real, a real moment of burnout that led me to find my spiritual self. Did you have any inkling that that would be a way out of the corporate world? Or were you just thinking about, I feel better now, and this is a healing thing for myself? If anything, I was resistant to it, but I was just keeping it like a private practice for me. But I knew that I wanted to, and I needed to build out that part of my life and sort of build out that part of my inner world. But yeah, definitely very resistant to making it known, I guess. And I don't know why. I just wanted to be, I was dead set on being successful in my career and that only meaning something very specific, I think at the time. I guess I'm curious about your journey as a biz witch, because I think it's more challenging than people think it is. And it's more rewarding. It's more rewarding maybe than you anticipate in the beginning in many different ways, but also I think it's something people fantasize about and dream of doing, especially people that are working nine to five jobs. So if you don't mind sharing that your journey, I think it could be helpful and interesting. Yeah. After that, I, I went on to, to do other jobs that were nine to five, that were in a different environment with different people doing different tasks. And they were better. Like they were great. You know what I mean? It's every job is so different. So I didn't go out on my own until my, I guess, late twenties when I was sort of jumping around and trying to find a job. I was kind of like going through a little bit of a a Saturn return, really just kind of meltdown and nothing was really sticking. Nothing was really working and kind of reached a point where I had to make it work. Like I was hired by a startup that never actually ended up starting up. So I was kind of just, I have to like make this little tarot by that time. Tarot was a little bit of a side hustle. So I was like, I just have to push and I just have to to go. Um, And it was really, really hard. And I mean, it still is. I work all the time, but at the end of the day, like, that's just me. Like I'm a Virgo moon. I want to work all the time. I love it. Yeah. Those first couple of years were really challenging and they were isolating, but ultimately it was like what I chose and it was me, but just challenging in a different way. I think there's a different, there's just a different challenge. It was different than like sticking at a job that I didn't want to be at felt just like me trying to ram myself into like a square peg when I was around hole kind of thing where it was just like banging my head against a wall. But the way that it was challenging and still is challenging 
for doing what I want to be doing truly. It's more of a sense of like, like good fear that I have to just push myself through. Yeah, the time. yeah totally. You know what I mean? <laughs> did you yeah. quit your job and tell yourself you're just going to make this work? Or did you have kind of one foot in both at the same time? I did. Like at first I tried to quit and be like, okay, I'm just going to go really hard and make this work. And and that didn't work. I had to get something. I had to get a part-time job. And I, I still like over the past couple of years, I've had dabbled and I've had, I've taken some freelance clients for freelance writing and things like that. And that's definitely kind of a, a well-rounded part of my life, but I'm definitely mainly focused on running my business. But yeah. So at the time I did try and make it make tarot my full-time thing, but it was I couldn't do it. And I think that first kind of fledgling attempt really taught me a lot about just like what I needed to do and what I needed to, what I needed that I just didn't really quite have yet in terms of like just so many different things in terms of resources and confidence and connections and all those things. It it takes a lot, you know, to get a business off the ground and going full-time right off the, the jump, like just didn't, didn't work for me. But then the second time, that I did end up going full-time was a little bit more successful. There was some momentum behind me at that point. Yeah. So I was able to push things forward and here I am still pushing things forward. Pushing, pushing, pushing. pushing. (laughs) I'm so glad you share that though, because it's an experience that a lot of people have and then they feel bad. Then they feel like they Mm. failed when they have to go get a part-time job or when they have to take their dream part-time to go get a full-time job. And it's really different for everyone and everybody's path is unique, but I just know from my time coaching that I mainly worked with people that wanted to be biz witches or creative entrepreneurs in some way. And this is so common. And I just feel like it's good to talk about it because it happens. It is good to talk about it. It's good to hear about it. I wish more people would talk about it for sure. Yeah. Because it's yeah. So, everyone's path is so, so different. Yeah. And I mean, I think part of it is just if you have a business you want to present as being confident, especially if you need your clients to trust in you, you need to be putting out a confident message and image, but yeah. also then sometimes that doesn't convey like all of the different sacrifices and the failures and all of that, that get you to that point. Yeah. What is the thing that you think has been your biggest sacrifice or the thing that you're willing even to sacrifice in the name of making this dream happen? My social life, to be honest, (laughs) I'm such a hermit. I'm such a hermit. Like I truly, I work a lot. I spend a lot of time working Mm. and I love that. I do. But there's, from an outsider perspective, someone would look at the way that I spend my days and be like, wow, that person has not a lot going on aside from their work. But even though I get so much fulfillment out of my work, it's such a rich experience for me. Maybe it's like a, maybe it's a sensitivity thing. Like, like a little bit of something feels like a lot to me. So even like a little bit of time with someone will feel like a lot or a little bit of love will feel like a lot. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I don't. Yeah. So I don't relationships are, of course, I love the people in my life and I'm so grateful for my friends and all of that stuff, but I'm not an enormously social person. So I guess Mm. that would be the, the sacrifice that I am okay to make. Yeah. I feel like that is a really common sacrifice 
for getting yeah. a, a business off the ground. And it can take a lot longer than people think it will. Yeah. But it is a season. I mean, I think there is a time yeah. for that. And then I think there's a time when you're like, okay, this is set up. The foundation is good. Time to party. Yeah. Time to go to on vacation for six weeks or whatever it is, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. And then like when you're in a certain season, you're like, this is my life. It's never going to change. Yes. It's so easy to feel that way. Yes. It does change. Things always change. Just like it's winter, just like it's summer. And we, we forget how it's so different. You know, it's so easy to forget. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you walk the wheel of the year and that you structure your hypnosis around that. I find yeah. the wheel of the year endlessly instructive just for conversations like this. Like you're in a season of life. Yeah. It's not going to last forever, but it feels so real when it's 112 degrees outside. You think you're dying and it's never going to end, but it does. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Are you doing a summer hypnosis thing? I should ask because summer is upon us here almost. Yeah, I am. I just launched one the other day. It is all about maximizing this powerful time of the weeks just before summer solstice when the sun is like at peak power and Jupiter just moved into Aries, which is all about embracing ourself and our intention and our convictions and our goals and really like Jupiter's expansion and, and Aries is the self it's courage. So the program is all about that. And it's called artist of life. And it's all about creating a vision and a plan for your best, most magical next half of 2022, which we're coming up on very soon, right? Cause the dark half of the year starts officially slowly but surely after summer solstice so yay that's I get I excited yeah. just hearing you talk about that because that's something and I don't know how many years I've been doing it but I started looking at the summer solstice that way like okay we're halfway through the year what do I want to yeah. do with the second half and I yeah. love that framing it's really useful yeah and I mean when you when you think about one of the reasons that I love the wheel of the year is it's it's more organic and more creative and more, I think, empowering than thinking about like Q1, Q2, Q3. <laughs> it's like, what do I want the next half of the year to be about? You know, I can be intentional and structured, but in a way that really works for me. Yes, it's highly creative because nature is yeah. creative and we are creative and there is something yeah. organic about that and inspiring too, I think. Yeah. Your wheel of the year content was such a big part of my, like the reason that I do walk the wheel of the year. So oh, thank you. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I was really obsessed with that for a long time. It's still a part of my personal, it will always be a part of my personal yeah. practice. I've got my son all involved in it. We have our little traditions and rituals and amazing. Yeah. I love it. I feel like it gets better every year. I feel like every year my understanding deepens, my appreciation mm. deepens. Life starts to look really psychedelic, I think, or it does for me after so many wow. years of walking the wheel of the year. I'm just like, oh my God, we're living in a cartoon. <laughs> it's just so, oh my gosh. It's amazing what is happening outside. I think it's a nice contrast to so much time spent on the internet. Yes, it is. I'm totally visualizing you and Tanner as cartoons, just like walking, <laughs> rocking the wheel of the year, doing your thing, doing your magical thing. Yeah. The pandemic really 
enhanced that because the one thing we could do when everything was on lockdown was go outside and we live in Southern yeah. California. So we yeah. can do that most days and it was a lifesaver. You're in LA, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're a million miles away in Ontario. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I am. I, I live in, in um, a, a town called Brantford in Ontario. Wow. If anything, I think this is a really interesting question to ask. What, if anything, did the pandemic do for you? I'm sure it was stressful as it was for all of us in different ways, but did you get anything out of it or was it just a shitty time, the end? (laughs) Yeah, the latter. That's it. Um, it. It made me so grateful for what I am grateful for in my life. It brought me a lot closer to my parents. I was mm. able to spend so much more time with them. I moved from Toronto to Brantford, which is where I grew up. So I'm living in the town that I grew up in now and really loving feeling more connected to my family. And I built a really beautiful, more of like a friendship, I guess, with my mom and reconnected with just people that I went to high school with and feeling actually more connected, oddly, now that I'm saying it, I've never actually said this before, to, to people, I guess, in oh, a way. Nice. Well, I mean, I just said that I've... I'm a hermit and I sacrifice all my time, but I mean, the, the opposite is also true. Like they're both true. Like I do feel like if I ever needed anything, then I would definitely be able to have people around to support me with that, which is my, what else do you need? You know, yeah. and your business is people oriented as well. Yes. Yes, for sure. And the pandemic was good for, for business as well, too, because I was just on Zoom all the time. Right. So that's something. Yeah. Welcome to the world of Zoom. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no kidding. I knew the world had changed when my mom was talking to me about Zoom because, you know, I had been using it for my business for I don't know how long, but then all of a sudden yeah. everybody was using it. And I was like, oh, I just thought this was this weird little thing I did, but now it is the way. That's so funny that you say that. I think a lot of people probably felt like that if you've been using it in your business for so long. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. Does your family care in any direction that you are a tarot reader, an astrologer? Do they Mm -hmm. have a feeling about that? Are they religious? They're not religious. I wouldn't say I did grow up going to church sometimes like on Easter and Christmas and things like that. Just a Baptist church. It was never a huge part of my life, but it was Mm. something that I I think my parents felt was important to introduce my sister and I to, but they are my biggest fans. Like I don't, I don't know what I did in the past life to deserve my parents. They're, they're truly amazing people and they, they love it. They love tarot because I love it. And they, they love it when I share it with them. Sometimes I'll, I'll pull cards at the dinner table but it's really, it's a nice thing. And I feel like just deeply accepted by them. And I know that that's like enormously rare. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, it um, is. So I'm, I honestly, like, I, I truly don't take it for granted. It's something that, that I'm really, really grateful for. Oh man. I would be burning the yeah. house down if I whipped out a tarot yeah. dinner table. My family would be like, what? <laughs> yeah. Because you talked about your, your family on pods before, but oh, yeah. they're, um, yeah, they're not down with the tarot. No, fundamentalist Christians. Okay, not down with the tarot. (laughs) Mennonite brethren, yeah. (laughs) Also, I feel similarly blessed because they love me and our policy basically, which goes unsaid. It's an unsaid policy that we all just psychically understand, which is don't ask, don't tell. We know Joanna's a weirdo, just don't ask. (laughs) 
Oh, okay. That yeah. works. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. I was excited yeah, that you were reading with one of my favorite tarot decks that I used to not love. I was so disappointed when I first got it and then it snuck mm. up on me. I don't know what happened. It's the herbal tarot. Wow. That was actually my first tarot deck ever. Really? Oh, it just, I think I thought I'm going to learn herbalism from this deck when I got it. And I don't know what I thought was going to happen. Wow. Yeah. The herbal tarot by Michael Tierra. It's awesome. I love it. But at first I didn't. So I like shoved it off in the corner of my kitchen. That corner ended up becoming an altar, a kitchen altar. And then I started reading with the cards just real sloppy. Like, I don't even care. This isn't a sacred experience. Like you're the cards I don't like. And then I started getting these amazing (laughs) reading. It just grew and grew on me until it became one of my favorite decks. It's so mysterious. That's so interesting. Yeah. It's a really beautiful deck. I just love how they give you a little herb for each card, for each Mm -hmm. archetype. So if you're into herbalism, that's a beautiful deck for you Yeah, or energy healing or any sort of like physical healing practice. Do you have a favorite deck? I always just use the Rider Waite Smith. I use that in my videos and for clients because it's the most recognizable. And I think this is the one that I probably feel the most connected to, my Rider Waite Smith deck, to be honest. Yeah, I use Rider Waite Smith based decks. So I get yes. to mix it up, but they're all based on that system. And they all, you can look at it and be like, oh, that's Rider Waite Smith. You know, you can can tell that they're all following that, but the herbal tarot is like that. Is that your favorite deck? No, my favorite is the tarot Illuminati, which is also just very Mm. true to just that classic symbolism. Yeah. I've had my eye on that one. I am very partial to the book, the companion guide to the tarot Illuminati. I'm obsessed with this book. It's almost my Bible. (laughs) Whoa. Kim Huggins is amazing. I got to interview her and you have to buy it separate from the deck, but I'm telling you, this book is just wise. I never don't learn something from it when I pick it up. I think it's awesome. Nice. Who did you learn tarot from? Did you teach yourself or did you take a course? I pretty much taught myself right around the time that I was obsessing over your YouTube channel. (laughs) I was obsessing over Kellyanne Maddox's YouTube channel. She offers just and and continues to offer so much amazing content about tarot. And that was really helpful for me, like learning tarot. But yeah, I just did, I did one-off courses and read books and podcasts, I guess just a self-taught, a self-taught know-it-all, I guess. (laughs) I relate to that. (laughs) I think the fun thing about tarot today or even tarot 10 years ago, it's a community. There's a tarot community. Everybody has opinions from beginners to experts that have been reading for decades. And it's this conversation and it's a language that we're all sharing and developing together. It's always evolving. So yeah, it's fun and exciting that way. Oh, Yeah. A thousand percent. It really is evolving all the time. Like it's such a reflection of, it can be a reflection of society and a reflection of the self and all the things. So of course it's always evolving. Yeah. How do you read for clients when they come to you? What does that look like? So I do spend a lot of time on zoom, but I love my email readings because I'm so connected to writing and I love writing so much. So my default 
state, I guess, my default way of, of doing a reading for a client would be an email reading. So the process really for that is spending some time at my altar. I always like to look at someone's birth chart before I do a reading for them, just to get a sense of their astrological makeup and kind of who they are. And wait, what... wait, 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 wait. You do yeah. this before a tarot reading? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. I'm so glad I asked. That sounds like a pretty big bonus. Yeah, I guess so. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> that is <laughs> so cool. Is. <laughs> that is so cool. Okay, I interrupted you. Go on. Yeah, no, no. Thank you for saying that. I think it's so important, especially if I don't really know someone. It just helps me to 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 get a sense of what's happening for someone. And if like if someone's going through their Saturn return or like their nodal return or something big, then I think you know I like to know that. So yeah, I'll look at their birth chart and then I'll go to my altar and pull cards and do a little ritual for them. And then I will write something up for them and then make a little video for them and give them this little package, this little package of intentional love. So do you end up working with the same people again and again? Is that how it goes? I definitely have some excellent return people who have been with me since the jump. But I think probably the majority of people that I see are new. I don't know what it is. Over the past like two years, two, three years, it's just a lot of people are new, which is nice. Probably because you put yourself out there. You do live readings, which I actually want to ask you about because I think that is so freaky. It feels to me when I'm watching you like walking on a tightrope, not that you have that energy, but me projecting myself into that situation. Mm -hmm. I feel like. Maybe this is why I don't read for other people. I just read for myself, but I feel like, what if I got it wrong? Or what if, you know, they're not feeling this? What gave you the confidence to go hop on Instagram and do a live thing where you're just like reading cards in front of people and just, (laughs) you know, like, what are you, how are you doing that? I find that really interesting. I don't know. I think it's, I'm more nervous doing a one-on-one reading than I am on Instagram live. I don't know why. I don't know why it is. I I think I feel safe around, no one's really going to have huge expectations when they come jump on an IG live and just see me pulling cards, you know? So I feel kind of safe about that. I feel safe to really connect with whatever I truly want to say and whatever's coming up. And it's just a, I don't know. I have fun with it. It just feels mm. fun to me. But yeah, I do feel a little bit more nervous, I guess, doing a one-on-one thing with someone and just being one-on-one with people in general. Well, what do you do for that? How do you deal with that? How do I deal with that? I mean, I just do it. I just do it. I know that it's going to feel so good after I do it. And I'll just be like, that was easy. Let's do it again. The lead up to something that makes you nervous. Oh gosh, That's yes. the worst part of it. Yes, yeah. it is. Feel the fear and do it anyway. I love that book, but also I just love the title <laughs> because it says it all. Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, it's like, it's not about me, right? It's not about my ego. It's not about me. It's about what we're co-creating with someone or a client. And I always go back to just the knowing that whatever happens in the space of a reading or an event or whatever it is, it's exactly what is meant to happen. And I can't micromanage that. Do you feel like there are placements in your own natal chart that predispose you to this work? I do think so. So my North node and my South node is something that I I love talking about the lunar nodes. I think that's a really fascinating part of the birth chart. So my North node is in 
Pisces in my sixth house and my south node is in Virgo in my 12th house. So that's like the signs that are all about physical and emotional healing on the axis of, of emotional and spiritual healing. So I think that is what I attribute to why I'm doing this work. It's interesting to me because when I think about that, I think of the South Node being in Virgo as being like kind of a grounding and you've got this kind of energy that could then support Mm. going out into outer space with the Pisces, you know, like actually it's the opposite of outer space. It's the inner space. How do you see Pisces? Well, I always think about the ocean and I always think about how it's the last sign of the Zodiac comes after all of the Zodiac signs and just like dissolves all the boundaries between us. And we can all just kind of, you know, it rules unity and oneness and connection and togetherness. So Mm. compassion. Do you see the North Node as the part of you that needs development in this life? Yeah, I do. I always think about it as sort of like the language that we're learning to speak or where the universe will always try to push us towards no matter what. It's like the thing that kind of feels like outside of our comfort zone, Mm -hmm. but very likely expansive, like feeling the fear, but having it be a good fear. Like, you know, that's kind of the energy of the the North Node. Yeah. Well, then that would make sense that you read tarot cards and do astrology because that will take you there. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. There's another thing I'm hopping around a little bit, but I'm I'm a fan of Saturn. I have to say Saturn is a taskmaster, but I see you mentioned Saturn return a lot, but I'm actually thinking about something on your website called time (laughs) that is not about Saturn. It's not about Saturn, but I cannot see the word time without thinking about Saturn and reading this, I love neuro-linguistic programming. And you mentioned that in the description of what T-I-M-E is, is an acronym. Time integration for maximum empowerment. What? You must explain this because I think it's so awesome. So Saturnian. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So time is basically, it's a lot like hypnosis. So it is an NLP technique but it's very focused on our experience of our timeline. So we can reframe the past and sort of extract key learnings or key wisdoms from the past and release any emotions or ideas around an experience of the past that we just don't need anymore. And we can also work in the future. So it's basically just an experience of your, your timeline and being very focused and intentional about the work that you're doing in your, your archive of memories and changing that around to be more true and empowering for you. So this is something you utilize with the hypnosis? Yeah. I'm so curious about this, Kate. I have to keep digging. Like, what does that look like? What happens? What if I contacted you and I was like, I need help with my timeline. (laughs) Help me with my timeline. What can we do? It would really be on a case-by-case basis. Time is so beautiful because the way that I actually do it is... It is like the experience of hypnosis. So there's some like specifics, like hypnosis, you're always sort of operating with a script. Well, I mean, I am, I'm sure a lot of hypnotherapists are just kind of freestyling, but I, I like to create really intentional scripts. And with time, there's a few specific ways that you can lead someone through their timeline and help them to experience what their timeline looks like to them, where the past is in terms of their relationship to their body and where their future is in relationship to your body. So there's a few ways that you can kind of help someone to tap into their own intuition around that. And then 
you can sort of like lead them into the past and help them to, again, sort of like as if you're a tour guide in someone's experience, help them to like look down at the event or look at the event or notice where they are in the event and just like notice what they see and how it appears to them and what's really going on. And you can talk a little bit to the client when they're there and you can help to really verbalize and extract what's going on sort of like working with the conscious mind and unconscious mind mm. to really make, make the most of your experience. Yeah. <laughs> I don't wow. know if that makes sense. Yes. I'm thinking about, I hope this isn't insulting now it's coming out of my mouth. I'm wondering, but no. it reminds me of when I was young, like elementary mm. school into early high school and I was a bossy child. And these were like kind of games I love to play with my cousins and my sisters. Like, let me blah, 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 like make up this thing and guide you kind of. But I, I can see the fun yeah. in it, the fun of it in just going on a little mind adventure with somebody. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially into the future. If you want to like insert a goal into your future timeline, like that can be really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I could see why you're in your hermit season, because this is really interesting work that you're doing. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I really am in, in my hermit season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hermit season. Mm-hmm. That's what is be the name of my band? Hermit season. There you go. And the Saturn <laughs> return thing, is that just because people contact you about that or because your Saturn return was so significant? How did that start showing up in your work as, or maybe I'm reading it wrong. It seems like that shows up in your work a lot yeah. as, as a common theme. It does. I'm really fascinated by the Saturn return. I think the reason that I do offer a tarot reading based on the Saturn return. And I, I work a lot with clients going through their Saturn return was because my Saturn return was so big for me. It was a major turning point in my life. And I guess just like working with clients over the years, I've seen that it can be a really transformative time. And that's really, really cool to get someone in a really transformative season and help them. That's something that fascinates me. Can you tell people what a Saturn return is? So we have one every 29-ish years, and it's the point when Saturn returns, Saturn transiting in the solar system returns to the point that it was at the moment that we were born. So the point that it was at in our birth chart. So we have one every 30 years-ish, and it's basically like a cosmic rite of passage into your next level of adulthood. If you sort of think about 30 to 60, and then if you are 90, if you get to be 90, then you have another, a third Saturn return. So basically it's a moment where everything changes for you. You have to commit even more fully to your authentic path and whatever is not authentic in your life, I guess, will not make it through your Saturn return. It's just a beautiful time of transformation. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of Mercury retrograde in terms of the way yeah. people respond to it. You see a lot of tweets. About, like, Oh my God. My Saturn return! <laughs> or people dread it. They start being like, oh my gosh, it's coming. It's coming. So I'm happy that you're framing it in a positive light because it's coming, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. And I mean, it's the time where you just like take off and soar into your next level of adulthood and you, you don't care about the things that you once cared about and you are more aligned and you're more yourself. There's so many ways that Saturn gives us the tough love that we need to like love life. Yeah. So are you 
imagining or believing that this is literal, like Saturn is impacting you and having an influence on you? Or is this symbolic of what happens when you reach that age? Does my question make sense? Is it more of an echo of what is happening or is it a cause? That's a good question. Like I think about the solar system and the planets and like astrology is sort of like looking at a clock, it's telling us what the time is, right? It's, the clock is not making it 3 p.m. Like we look at the <laughs> clock to see what time it is, right? So I think we can kind of look at the solar system. Like, is the solar system reflecting us or are we reflecting the solar system? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a really good question. That's part of the fun of being a witch is not knowing, kind of living for the mystery. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's fun to play in those symbolic realms And then you're so in awe of the synchronicities that emerge and it's just the mystery deepens. It just gets more mysterious and more mysterious the more you practice and learn. Yeah, I love it. Mm -hmm. It's true. What is that experience like with clients? Because I've never worked with clients. I just read for myself. Is it a different thing when you start grooving on a synchronicity together or you tap into something that they find really shocking or amazing? Yeah, I love that. I love those moments where you tap into something shocking and amazing. It's so fun. It's so exciting to me to help someone connect with their own intuition and realize like, oh, I'm seeing this reflected in the cards. I'm seeing this reflected in the astrology and this makes sense to me now. Do you end up coming off like a psychic, like you're reading their mind? I don't know. No one's ever really said that to me. You know, there's, there's always synchronicities and things like that because the cards never lie. The stars, they don't lie, (laughs) (laughs) but I wouldn't call myself a psychic. Would you call yourself a psychic? I think I have a lot of psychic abilities, but I think everybody everybody does. So no, I'm not a professional psychic. I just have a lot of spooky moments that I think are cool. That's exactly the way that I feel too. I think we're all incredibly psychic people, but I think it's a skill you can hone. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a lot of my questions are about your experience as a reader of astrology or tarot or a practitioner of hypnosis, just because I don't do that for other people. And I'm fascinated that you do. That's why I was asking about your astrology too, because I just think it must take a certain kind of person to provide that service. I guess it does. Well, it's definitely a a unique service offering, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, not as much as it was back in the day. It's really interesting to see it become embraced by the mainstream. I remember when these things started showing up in just like mainstream fashion magazines. I was like, oh, we're doing this now. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. You can say Mercury retrograde in a busy corporate office. And I have a feeling most people will have a general sense of what you mean. Thousand percent. You're right. Well, this was really fun. If people want to work with you, where should they go? KateFowley.com. K-A-I-T-F-O-W-L-I-E.com. That's my home. That's my home in my hermit season. Mm. (laughs) So you can check me out there. Yeah. I appreciate that you're on Twitter because that's where I love to hang out. And I'm curious, why are you, why are you on Twitter? Because I know for businesses, generally it's better to be on Instagram. So are you on Twitter for personal reasons, for professional reasons? Why do you hang out there? Twitter was the first social media channel that I ever had actually. So I've just always kind of liked it. And I like that you just share 
text and thoughts and you don't have to share pictures or anything else. Like I just like sharing random thoughts. Like that's how I communicate. That's how I prefer to communicate, like sharing random thoughts. I wanted to ask you that because a lot of people leave. They're like, this isn't doing anything for me professionally in the same way I does over on wherever, Facebook or TikTok, wherever they go. But I've made some awesome connections over there and it's not as good for optics, you know, if you're really concerned about likes, but you can make some real connections because people are sharing their thoughts and their hearts there. I love it. I'm such a Twitter nerd. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah, you love the Twitter. I do. I feel like the only one, I guess that was my opportunity to be like, you like it too. Yay. Let's be friends. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be weirdos together. Kate. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was wonderful. I have one last question. It's my famous last question. And that is what is one tip you have for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? My one tip would be now I'm overthinking it. I want to make it really good. My one personal practice that I swear by is journaling. I love journaling. Mm -hmm. I think it's really, really powerful. Whatever your aims, whatever your goals are, you can have this beautiful support system in your journal in creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I feel like you have a book in you. You mentioned writing a couple of times and then mm-hmm. now journaling. I feel like there's a book in you. Do you? Do oh my you gosh, you sense? said it. Yeah, well, it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. We said it here first on the Joe DeBo show. Thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Oh, it's a mutual love fest. It's a mutual love fest. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Kate. If you are loving, if you are loving the podcast and you want to support, you can do that over on Patreon. I am Joanna DeVoe over on Patreon. And then, of course, in the show notes, I will be linking to all things Kate Fowley. I hope that you are taking beautiful care of yourself and that life is treating you well these days. Until we meet again, always remember life is change, change is magic, magic is life, and the journey is the creation. Much love to you. Peace.